Well, we're almost done with our uh, worship series, and um, last week I just thank you for being at liberty, and maybe you were just uh, playing along so you could get out of here. I don't know what your heart was like, but um, I'm serious that I, I want us to have the kind of liberty that when God moves on you individually, when God moves on us corporately, that there's no resistance and uh, I know we sometimes think, oh, we don't want it to get weird. When the Holy Spirit moves, it gets weird <laughs> because it's, it's supernatural. We're, we're used to the natural and that becomes normal, but the, no, but the flesh, natural isn't normal. Supernatural is normal with God. And um, now again, I, I believe we can still have it in order and it should be honoring God, but like I said, I, I want us to, to be able to not feel constrained or restricted or, or, or whatever, and you can say, hey, I'm, I'm not that person, but maybe God's trying to make you into that person. You know, I look at David's life, and up until that point where uh, he starts stripping off his clothes and dancing around, I never saw him as that person either. <laughs> he was a warrior. He was a king. But in that moment when God moved on him, he wanted to make sure, and I think it wasn't, it wasn't even a show. He's not, hey, look at me. He just wanted everybody to know, hey, this king stuff doesn't mean anything to me. He's the king, and I'm just stripping myself of anything that would speak of me having authority or me being somebody to worship. I'm giving it all to him. Now, I don't suggest that type of worship in a corporate setting. <laughs> uh, please keep your clothes on, Okay. But in the spiritual setting, I think we've all got some stuff that can get stripped off, right? Uh, this past week, I was, I was doing a project, and, and uh, I uh, forgot that I had left my little hatchet outside. I was taking some limbs off of some branches, and you know how it is around here. The air is wet, the weather is wet, the ground is wet, and when I brought in my poor little hatchet, that thing was just covered with rust. Now, I've got a choice. I either throw the hatchet away... Or I remember that it's only the top coat. And so I get out my little drill and I put in a little wire brush and a little bit of friction and a little bit of effort stripped the rust right off of that thing and it looked like the second day after I bought it. Not the first day because it was nice and shiny. After I used it, it wasn't so shiny anymore. But some of us, we get into misuse or lack of use in our worship and we get a little rusty. And did you know that the Holy Spirit's job is to prompt us to move closer to Jesus Christ and allow the Holy Spirit not to be abrasive, but to take some of the rust off of you and allow you to experience a liberty and an anointing. I mean, if I want my axe to not get rusty, you oil it. That's why we use WD-40. That's why we've got coating oil, pneumatic oil, and all the stuff to, to keep us from that. And because the world will rub against us. But I'm here to tell you, Jesus Christ has given us the Holy Spirit in our life that should cause us to pray and to praise and to do all that he's called us to do. If it has to be some exterior focus, then, then maybe you need to get back in contact with God and allow that Holy Spirit to well up in you. And you do it because of what he's done for you. You do it because you know it's joyful. You know that I can live like this on purpose and I don't have to be prompted by somebody else. That's the power of the Holy Spirit in us that gives us energy, that gives us power, that gives us boldness. That's what we're really talking about, especially when it comes to praise. Nobody should have to prompt you. 
to praise. And if you're not there yet, good thing is, no condemnation, but you should work on it. It just means you got some rust there, right? You got some rust there. Well, we're going to talk this morning about giving thanks. Now, I don't know if you realize how much Jesus Christ has accomplished for you, but before we even get into that, I want you to think about all that he's done for you. And you can say, oh, yeah, he saved me. Well, that's like easy. How about the fact that he chose you, that he called you, that he formed you, that he heals you, that he saves you, that he redeems you, not only redeemed you, but he ransomed you, he paid for you, that he has blessed us, that he has fathered us, that he has woven us in to be his special people. He has called us his own and on and on and on. Think of how many times he has saved you from your own stupidity. That's why I love that song. We're not just talking about the end after we're dead. We're talking about the fact that every time we mess up and a part of us that needs to die, dies, he brings us back to life through his spirit so that we are better than we were before. Just that action alone, just the fact that he's got his hand on me, guiding me and molding me, that is awesome. And he's doing the same for you. There is no difference between us. We just have different jobs. But God loves you so very much that he's not going to leave you the way you are. He's going to keep tinkering with you. He's going to keep stretching you. He's going to keep asking you to come deeper, to come closer. And when we resist that, it's a sign that our flesh is winning. And I'm here to tell you, you've got the power in you to say no to your flesh. Did you know that? And this is one of those areas that's hard because I think there's times where we get all bent out of shape, bad things happen, circumstances come, and we forget to go, thanks for what he's done and what he's continuing to do. He will never stop. That's the beauty of God. And so if you find yourself in bad circumstances and hard times, I was talking with a good Christian man this morning. I said, you know, we want to go through the storms and we believe God will get us through the storms but he never promises we won't be seasick. Now, there's two things about seasickness, right? We hate it, but it's also a sign that you're alive. I've yet to see a dead person get seasick. Anybody? That's just a sign that you're still alive, you're still in this world, and that's a good thing, okay? But when it comes to giving thanks, is that part of your lifestyle? When the gas prices go down, do you give God thanks? When you don't get stuck at nickels of that extra long light, do you give God thanks? The fact that you made it home without a car accident, that your house didn't burn down while you are gone, that an eagle didn't swoop down and steal your little pet out of the backyard, Unless you've been praying for that, and then you just need to double up your prayers, okay? But I think all too often we forget how much thanks we should be giving him. We start to think that we're the ones that, you know, I beat the traffic, and I made it home, and I protected my pet well, and all that we have is from him. All that we're ever going to have is from him. And when we can realize that and begin to invert the pyramid, so to speak, and remember that he's the one worthy of our praise. See, praise makes us feel good, 
But most of the stuff that we get praised for is so nominal, so small. And yet what he gets praised for is eternal and everlasting. And it's amazing things. And I think we fall short of that, all of us do, until we come to the realization that if he can create the universe, then our problems aren't so big. And he's worthy to give thanks to. And if you've got an attitude this morning of what has he done for me lately, I would tell you if you are actually breathing in air, he has done something for you lately. If you made it to church today on your own power, he has done something for you lately. If you own an automobile, he has done something for you lately. If you're in possession of a flush toilet, he has done something for you lately. If you have the ability to have extra toilet paper, he has done something for you lately. The fact that we go to a faucet and turn it on and the water comes on is the blessing of God on our life. And we sit at the upper 20 percentile of the world, whining and forgetting to give him praise. And he is worthy of all praise. If that's all we did all day, it still wouldn't be enough. But I want to be kind of practical this morning, and I want to talk about praising his faithfulness. We've got to remember this. He is the God who was and is and forever will be. He doesn't take a day off. He doesn't go on vacation. He doesn't sleep in. He is always active. He is always working. But there's some, some questions that I think we should answer here just so we get our hearts and our minds lined up. I think, uh, according to the Scripture, my, my, my takeaway from what it means that the Spirit is willing but the flesh is weak, I don't think our spirit ever has to be prompted to, to worship. It's ready to go. You read in Revelation where they're in heaven and, and it says that the elders are, nobody's saying, it's now time to take off your crowns. Nobody has to say that. They voluntarily, just because they see who God is and what he is and how he is, and they voluntarily say, I can't be king, you're king. And the angel just burst forth saying, holy, holy. Nobody's saying it's time to say holy. Oh, wait, get ready. It's 10 o'clock. It's time to say holy. They don't, they, it's just an expression that comes out of them. They see who God is, and it comes from within. He is holy. Nobody has to tell them or prompt them or wait for a time, but we seem to struggle in that because of our humanity. So some questions I want to answer this morning. Why is God worthy of our thanks? And then how do we give him thanks? If there's a protocol for approaching a king, which there is, then, then how do we do that? What does that look like? I think all too often we're not familiar with our word enough to know how we're supposed to act and how we're supposed to live out this life. And when we're unsure of things, we set it aside and, and we kind of just push it to, that's what we'll do on Sunday. And it's too easy for you to just sit and let me tell you stuff Instead of learning and being changed and transformed, God is not after a modified Sunday behavior. He's after a changed heart. And until our heart changes, the rest of our life won't change no matter where you sit. And so my hope is that you'll hear with your heart, not just your ears this morning, and you'll begin to say, wow, I need to know that, or maybe I need to start working on this. And and your life begins to change for the better. It's not an extra thing on the to-do list. It's part of a normalized lifestyle. This is about lifestyle worship. 
You see, we talk about Thanksgiving a lot this time of year, but most of the time we're thinking about turkey and eating a lot and watching football and family time. But Thanksgiving is part of life for us as Christians. We should be giving Him thanks. Not just for a week in November. And I, and I hate to say it, I'll put the downer out here in the beginning. I think there's a lot more people get excited about Black Friday than they do about Resurrection Sunday. Because it's about us. We forget Black Friday was also the day he went to the cross. And if not for the cross, where would we be? And if not for the tomb opening up, where would we be? And if not for a Savior that had that plan all along, where would we be? If not for a God that loved us so much to send us his Son, where would we be? He's worthy of our praise, church. He is worthy of our praise. Melissa must have been in the Spirit this morning. Uh, She knew what we were going to say, even though she didn't know what we were going to say. So I'm going to ask you to turn to Psalm 100 this morning. and, And David gives this psalm of thanks. And it's five quick verses, but it's so rich and so full. Psalm 100, it's in the middle of the book. And here's what he says. Okay, now, let me give you a quick background on David. Those of you who didn't know, David was... uh, the youngest child of several brothers. David's job was to watch sheep until God showed up one day, talked to Samuel, sent Samuel to Jesse to anoint him to be king. Years and years and years and years and years and years and years passed, and he didn't become king. He went from being a shepherd to a uh, a modified warrior where he killed Goliath from that to Saul, the king at the time, saying, I like how you play music. Come and be a worship leader for me. Uh, sorry, I was supposed to be king. Uh, well, God, David didn't mind the path. He just knew that God was leading him all the way. To pretty soon he's hunted by that king. Pretty soon he's at war with that king, even though he f- refuses to take that king's life. So all of a sudden, years, decades later, He finally becomes king in the timing that God wanted. And even then, David had many mess-ups and failures. But he kept his heart right because he, he loved God. And just because we love God doesn't mean we don't sin. It just means we respond quickly when we do. That's what God loved about David. And so David, even when he was a king, he was writing psalms. He would talk about his life experience and how he was feeling. And some of them are so uplifting like this one. And then there's others where he's down in the dumps and he said, I've, I've turned on my bed all night and my bones feel like they're broken inside of me. I've, I've wet my mattress with my tears. Oh, God, where are you? Why have you forsaken me? And, and it's just an expression of what's going on. But what's so cool about the Psalm of David any of those, is that it never ends on this, oh, poor me. It's like he comes to this point and then he remembers. And he says, oh, why me? Oh, poor me. This has happened. This has happened. And then all of a sudden, they sometimes use a word in the Psalms and you see it on the side and it's not a town in central Washington called Selah. 
It's actually salah, which means there's a musical pause. It's like that time to meditate, that time to introspect. And when you see that salah, something has been a little pause, and then you see something like, oh, woe is me, woe is me, salah. The Lord is my light and my salvation. He is my strength and my shield. Who can hurt me? Whom shall I fear? Isn't that amazing? Look at, wah, 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 wah. Wait a minute. I've got God. This is awesome. This is cool. What am I wah, wah about? And then a couple of psalms later, we don't know how many months it takes. Wah, wah, wah. Why me? Poor me. Why me? God is great. He is greatly to be praised. It's, isn't that amazing that he never finishes on, God left me, I had a bad night, and I don't know what to do. That's never the end of a psalm. It's amazing. And so here we've got this thing where I don't know what's going on other than he's giving an invitation to joyfully come to God because he is worthy of it. And here's what he says. Look at this. Make a, a joyful, what, noise or shout, depending on your version, right? Now, let's stop right there. You can't make a joyful shout until you know what joy is. And David understood that the joy of the Lord is my strength. Listen, you can be in utter problems and in the biggest mess of your life and still have joy. You may not be happy that you can still have the joy of the Lord who never leaves you, who never forsakes you, who has promised to stand by you and will see you through this thing. That's the different type of joy. That's so much different than happiness. But I think that's some of the problem with us as we come before him that I don't know how to make a joyful noise. I can make a noise, but is it joyful? If you don't have the joy of the Lord, you need to go back and get saved. (laughs) And remember what he's done for you. Even Revelation tells us that you've forgotten where you came from. I encourage you to come back to your first love. Come back to me. Remember that he has ransomed you and he has saved you and he has called you by name. And he is your healer and he is your God. And he is the father to the fatherless and the defender of the weak. He is a God that will fill all your needs if you'll let him. But when we forget that and we look to ourselves and we look to others to fill those needs, we lose our joy. And we go back to him and realize he is all we need. Verse 2, serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with, look at this, how do we praise him? With singing and shouting. Verse 3, know that the Lord, and that's not just, oh, I understand there's a Lord, but it's a, I have made a firm decision. It is my conviction. I know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us and not ourselves. Think about that for just a minute. Think think how many problems that solves right there in our worship. When you realize you ain't God, now you say, Pastor, I've never thought I was God. Really? Who gets to run your life? Who gets to make your decisions? Who do you consult before your decision? Who determines whether you come to this place or not? You? Or him. And if it's not him, then who's acting like God? 
One of my favorite shirts back when Christians wore shirts uh, said on the front, there is a God, dot, dot, dot. And on the back says, and you aren't him. That's good news, folks. I don't want to be him. You don't want to be him. That's a heavy load. That's a big task to take. Let him be God, and we just give him the praise that he is due. Even when we don't feel like it, we have to remember, he is God. We are his people. We are the sheep of his pasture. Now, think about that for just a minute. There's, like I said, this is so rich, and, and this is just a prelude to, to where we're going here. Do sheep have to grow the grass? Do sheep have to till up the ground? Do sheep have to worry about protecting themselves? Who takes care of all of that? Sheep just walk along and eat and make little sheep. Most sheep don't die of stress-related problems. I've never seen a stressed-out sheep, have you? At best, when they get sheared and they're kicking and bleeding a little bit, but after they learn that, hey, there's no stress anymore. But it's all provided for. And if we remember that he is the shepherd and we are his sheep and he has provided the pasture for us, we didn't have to buy it, we don't have to till it, we don't have to work it. He just leads us in and he lets us feed and eat and be who we're called to be. That is worthy of praise. Verse 4, we should enter into his gates with turkey and pumpkin pie. Or are we talking about a different Thanksgiving here? Right? It's kind of sad that we have denigrated Thanksgiving to mean pumpkin pie, turkeys, pilgrims, and making those little crafts with kids. And it's like, I, I remember our roots, and, that, and that's great. But there was Thanksgiving way before there was ever pilgrims, way before we ever discovered America. There was Thanksgiving because God should be given thanks. And has been given thanks. And into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him. And bless his name. We live in a world that curses and and pulls his name down at every chance that they get. What if we're the people that continue, no matter what happens, to bless his name? to be thankful to him. And you have to change your mind on this, like I said. You know? Because we're not used to that. Usually we question God. Usually we complain to God. You know, I've yet to meet the person, I used to work construction in the summers, that smashes their their thumb and go, oh, thank God. But what if that became the natural reaction, no matter what happens in our life, that we give God thanks? Well, Pastor, you're being hypocritical because you don't really mean thank God when you smash your hammer. Nope. But what have I just told all of my coworkers when they see me respond that way? Because I tell them something completely different when I take that hammer and throw it down and launch into a blue streak. Told them something else entirely, haven't I? Or begin to complain, God, why did you let me hit my hand with a hammer? If you're God, you could have stopped that. He gave you eyes. He didn't tell you to hit your hand with a hammer. 
for the Lord is good. Whether you comprehend it or not, the Lord is good. When you become a parent, you begin to understand this. There are things you do for your children that your children don't think are good, but you're thinking of it as good because of what's to come. Why brush my teeth? I'm just going to eat again. Yep, but someday, those good teeth, you're going to be paying for them. Why make my bed? I'm just going to get in it again because it's the habit of understanding your responsibilities. Why tie my shoes when you can do it? Because someday you're going to have to do it on your own. And there is no difference between what God is doing with us, training us for what's to come, and we can recognize His goodness. But it doesn't mean that we feel good just because He is good. There are times where we don't feel good and He is still good. Why is this happening to me? Why do I have this disease? Why has this affected my family? It doesn't make God any less good. It is part of living in a sinful world surrounded by failing bodies and a failing system. And if everything was perfect here, we would have nothing to look forward to in heaven, would we? But see, there's the rub. We get so used to living here, we're not looking to living there. Can I tell you what a glorious place that's going to be? If for that alone, if nothing else changed down here, the fact that we get to go to a place where there'll be no death and no tears and no fear and no shame and that we will be in his light and his presence and everlasting love and forgiveness for all eternity is enough to give him thanks. Even if your life is hell down here, that, having that secured for you, and you did nothing to earn it, he just gave it to you because he loves you, that is awesome. And we think about this. You know when you've got a special holiday or a special vacation planned up, you think, hey, this week's kind of been hell, but I got vacation coming. Think about that for eternity. There is nothing down here that compares with what we're going to receive when he comes back to get us. Nothing. We can't even comprehend it. I can't believe it. I don't know what a living rainbow looks like, but he does. I don't know what it's like to be in a place where there's no shadow and only his perfect light, but he does. I don't know what it's like to no longer be tired or sad, or aware of my past mistakes, that I have become like him, and that I fully know him, and he fully knows me. He is worthy of our thanks. If just for that alone, and if we devalue that, then your life here will be hell. I plan to enjoy my life here, but I am looking forward to a place where I have been called a citizen of heaven, not a resident of earth. That's where I'm going. I'm not planning on staying here forever. I'm planning on being there. And if you haven't planned that yet, you need to make some changes in your travel plans before it's too late. So let's answer these questions real quick. Why is God worthy of our praise? Why is he worthy of our thanks? It tells us right in these simple five verses. Look at this. He is God. 
Why is he worthy of our thanks? He is God. He has made us. We didn't make ourselves. The highlight of our arrogance. If we think we're self-made people, we are not. Nothing that we've accomplished has not been passed through his hands. We are his people. Think about that. If we remember that we're inheriting a kingdom, the kings choose who they want to represent them. Who wants to choose the poor, pathetic, diseased, wiped out, washed out, depressed people to be his kingdom? No king ever did that. They want the wealthy. They want the wise. They want the productive. They want the rich kingdom because it represents them. Who should we be? Ones that represent the king well. And that means he's worthy of our thanks. Thank you, Lord, that you chose me. Thank you that I can get a new lease on life. Thank you, Lord, that you saved me. Thank you that I can change. I don't have to be the person I used to be. You've promised I can be changed by the power of your blood and your spirit. I can be changed because of what you did at the cross. We're the sheep of his pasture, and he knows us by name. Verse 5, the Lord is good. We've discussed this. Look at this. His mercy is everlasting. Have you ever needed mercy? Only when I'm awake. Isn't it nice to know, and this is why we give him thanks, how long does his mercy last? Because we have a tendency to be stupid for a long time, don't we? And the longer you've been alive, you realize how stupid you were when you were young. And now you realize I'm not quite as stupid, but I'm still making stupid mistakes. And I'm thankful for his mercy. And mercy is getting what you don't deserve. You know what you deserve? Judgment. You know what we all deserve? Hell. Eternal punishment. But what we get is glorious. Should we not give him thanks? That husband and wife that you're complaining about, God purposely brought that person to you. Either because you were really, really bad in your previous life and this is punishment. <laughs> or you were really, really good and it's a reward. You've got to figure it out. My wife has said that to me before. I don't know why I married you. Well, you must have done something really bad. Church, he is worthy of our thanks. His mercy is everlasting, and his truth endures to all generations. He does not change. His truth that's real for you right now, when you are a great-great-great-grandma or great-great-great-grandpa, if you live that long, If you live to be 190 years old, his truth will still be for you because his truth endures to all generations. How do we give him thanks? Verse 2. Now, many of you don't think of it this way. How do we thank God? Serve him. And specifically how we serve him. Look what it says. How do we do that? Serve the Lord with grumbling, complaining, 
and I'm intermittent. I say I'm going to do this, but then I don't show up, and so I'm really not glad about this. I'm just doing it to get people off my back. That's not serving the Lord. That's guilt. We serve the Lord with gladness. The day that I get up and say, oh, God, i got to go preach again. Today, it's time to reevaluate where I'm at and what I'm doing. I am privileged. And I'm honored. You are privileged. You are honored to get to serve the King of kings and his people. And if we're going to serve, let's serve with gladness. No matter how dirty the job is, no matter how many complaints you get, we serve with gladness. Because we remember who we're serving, him, we serve with gladness. Then he says we should come before his presence with singing. Look at that. I invite you to come into my presence, he says. Come. You want to know how to give me thanks? Come into my presence. Come and seek me. And sing. See, David understood that. Saul, when he was all mixed up, it said that he used to have a vexing spirit, that he would get so disturbed, and and he did this weird thing. The only thing that would calm him down is he called David to come and play and to sing, and it said, and the vexing spirit would go away. And I'm not saying that God gets a vexing spirit, but isn't it interesting that he calls us into his presence with singing? We sing of who he is and what he's done because I think it's, there's a whole different level of singing versus just saying. It's a heart change. It's a heart issue. Come before his presence with that singing. We enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Look at this. Be thankful to him and bless his name. It's pretty simple. None of this is like, wow, I don't think I can do that. It's just something that we've got to incorporate into our routine, something that we've got to begin to reprocess in our brains that he is worthy and this is a great way, an easy way, some simple steps. We come before him. Are you actually seeking him out? Are you actually interested in his presence or do you just want his hand where he's giving you stuff? I'll tell you, I'm getting this more and more, and, and I, I love what God's showing me. And I, you're probably tired of hearing about it, but I've got two beautiful grandbabies. And this little dark-haired girl that steals my heart. We play, and we laugh, and we have a great time. But you know, because it's, it's the sick flesh side of me, but you know what? lights me up the most. When she comes to my house, and if I'm not the one that answers the door, usually her first question is, where's Papa? Now, my wife hates me for this. (laughs) But what about God? That when we get up in the morning and we said, where's Papa? 
Where is Abba God? Where is Father? I'm looking for him. I want to see him. I want to engage him. I want to... How different would our lives be? How different would our praise be? How different would our hearts and our attitudes be if, if we had a desire, such a great relationship, we want to see Papa. Instead of we get up and run through our routine and he's sometimes the last thing on our mind. Come into his presence. Where do we give him thanks? Personally, Caleb can't give God praise for you. You have to give your own praise. And it starts at home. It starts with us. It starts right where we're at. There's a, a personal spot for praise or, or all you're doing is coming into a concert and watching other people sing. And that's not praise and that's not worship. My goal when I come to praise is to get a hold of him, not to just stand in the building. And I'm immature in this. I, I stand up here so I don't have to see the people around me be distracting. I close my eyes because I don't want to have to worry about what's going on because I, I, it doesn't really matter what's happening up here for me. I'm thankful for the music. I'm thankful that they're encouraging us and, and bringing us into a place where we can sing and, and we're learning this process. But I've moved past that, but I still haven't got to the place where I'm so focused that I can just, in a corporate setting now, in a private setting, hey, that's easy. But in a corporate setting, I want to reserve my time with my God. That this is not the prelude to preaching. That this is not just something we do for this part of the service. This is a place and a time that I come to expect and I don't want it interrupted and I don't want to bring it down and I don't want to, it doesn't matter any of that. What matters is am I going to get a hold of God this morning? I want to find his presence, his personal presence. I know he is omnipresent. I, I realize that he is everywhere. But I'm talking about knowing that he and I are connected. And then he gives this great illustration, and, and it's funny how the, the New Testament supports all this, but it says we should enter into his gates, and he's using this old term because of the tabernacle that had walls and gates and an outer court and an inner court of different levels of intimacy with God that you've got to start with the gate. And he says, I'm going to enter in through the gates. I'm going to make a choice. It's an access point. I'm going to choose to come into his presence. I can share his omnipresence outside the gate, outside the tabernacle. God is everywhere. But as soon as I pass through the gate, and Jesus himself in John says, I am the gate. Then I come into his courts. First the outer court of sacrifice and confession and, 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 and self-look of making sure that I'm ready for the next step, which is the inner court, which is fellowship and, and the light of the Holy Spirit and, and an altar of incense that's talking about my praise and my prayer before I enter into a, a holy place, that true 
what they would call the kabod, that weight, that glory of God. But it's a decision to make. Do I, am I going to pursue this? Because I can stop anywhere I want. But notice that he says, I want you to enter into his gates with thanksgiving. Thank God I get to come before him. <laughs> and then what? Into his courts with praise. Both of them praising God. Not just singing a song, but praising, praising. When you praise your children, you don't sing a song. (laughs) You tell them what they did. You remind them. How about if we remind God of what he's done and how good he is? See, that's praise. And that's a different thing than just mouthing some words. And if you, ever, if you ever take the chance to study that, realize how awesome it is that God would give us the chance through His Son, Jesus Christ, that before everybody was restricted to the outer court and only a select few could go into the inner holy place. And that because of His sacrificial life and death, He opened up the inner place for us that anybody can have access. Now he even says, you can come boldly into my presence to give him praise. You want to know how to please God? You want to know how to please Abba Father? Choose to leave the crowd at times and come in through the gate, which is Jesus Christ. And come into that place where you realize, I'm moving deeper in my praise, deeper in my relationship. I want to be a person that is known for being thankful. Even when things are tough, thankful. And this is, it's not tricky it gets. And again, I'm a simple person. But there are times when I tend to stray towards the negative. I, if you've been around me, you probably realize this. But there are also times where I realize, what have I got to whine about? I think about what my life would be without him, whether I'd even be alive. And if I was alive, what type of life would I have? Because I have a living representation the few times that I've gone back home to see the friends that I used to hang out with and party with. Some of them aren't alive anymore, and some of them are doing exactly what we were doing 30 years ago. And I thank God, what a wild ride you have given me. And some of it has been tough, but it has been such a blessing. It has been so wonderful. It has been so changing in me. And and I was standing at the the silly gas pump. It was cold, and I had my hands in my pockets. And and I'm cheap, so I tend to only get uh, $20 of gas at a time. Which, by the way, only gives us 6.118 gallons right now. And I wasn't fast enough, and it went to 2001. And I could have complained, and even, like I said, nobody's going to throw a fit. It's a penny, right? But it hit me. Lord, thank you for the abundance, but I've got that. 
I don't have to go, oh my God, what am I going to do? I now own, oh, the gas station, something I, I don't have. God, I'm thankful for fuel. For the truck I drive. For the warm clothes I'm wearing on that day. And it started a weird cascade effect that day that started with pumping gas, something I'm not usually thankful for. I don't know about you. I can't wait to get up and go pump gas. But if we can see how good God is in every aspect of our lives, it'll begin a a heart change. Thank you, Lord, that I, even though I was the last one up to the light, my turn lane, light, turn first. (laughs) Now, did God control that? Nope, but can I give him praise? (laughs) You understand what I'm saying? That it's really an attitude of praise. It's not just an action. Because I can stand quietly within myself and give him incredible praise and do all of these things because it really is based on the inside, not the outside. And I can do none of those things and jump around and shout and have a great time and whoop, and I'm still not giving him praise. I'm just doing what the crowd's doing. He is worthy of our praise. Why should we give God praise? He is God. His mercy endures forever. He is our God. That's why we give Him praise. How do we give Him these things? We serve Him. We serve Him with our lives. We serve Him by serving other people. We actually seek out His presence. And we come into deeper and deeper relationships with him. And we're going to choose to bless his name. And where do we give him praise? It's got to start on the inside and work its way out. Starts in your heart. You know, everybody... Everybody's got to understand, if you haven't figured this out yet, we have a private life, a personal life, and a public life. And I can worship God in all three of those realms, and I should worship God in all three of those realms. There are things that he has done in private, things that we talk about in private that nobody else knows. Nobody else would understand And then there's a personal life of my my general family life that isn't exposed to the outside world. I'm so thankful for all that God has done that maybe nobody else would get. Those tender moments with family, those special times that nobody else, the, the rest of the world doesn't even understand what's going on. But then there's also my public life, what people see. And I'll tell you, If I don't have the private life with God, very few people will see a public life with God. 
I'm not embarrassed to be out with my wife. She is my private life. She is my personal life. She is my public life. And there are things that we do in private that we don't do in public. And you're thankful for that. And there are things that we do just within the confines of our family that doesn't become public. But what would it say to me if you never saw me in public with my wife, never heard me talk about her in public? What would you think? To me, only two things. You don't have a wife or you're embarrassed of your wife. When we live in a way that there is no public expression of our praise, the world says they have no God or they're embarrassed of their God. Maybe you never thought about it like that before. But like I shared last week, what if we lifted our faith to a different level that we truly do hold the name of Jesus Christ at a high standard that we do try to exemplify and I know you've encountered those weird Christians that they say every time they say something oh bless God or, or praise God or, and, and I'm not talking about being weird I'm talking about it being a real flow from your heart And if you're not there yet, please don't feel guilty. But just know that I've paved the way for you this morning to know how to do this. He wants to meet with you. He wants to be with you. And when you get to know him, praise will come. Thanksgiving will flow, but you never are thankful for the things you don't know about and the things you don't understand. Know him. Figure out where Papa is. Figure out, how do I get into his presence? That should be my desire. Even when I'm at work, this isn't just a church thing. It's not just a Thanksgiving thing. It's a lifestyle thing where we choose. I'm choosing to pursue God. Whether you're the late night person, the early person, the midday person, none of that matters. The hour, what matters is the time that you allot to finding God because there's so much to find him in. And if a lunkhead like me can have a trickle-down praise experience from pumping gas, I wonder what your week can be like. Our praise should be personal and private and public.